the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. One of the neat things that you can do is look in the Old Testament and then look in the New Testament to see if there's some prophecy fulfilled, see if there's some similarity. Well, I want to read this verse from Jonah. By the way, we're in the book of Jonah, and it says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 7, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. When I read that, I couldn't help but think of the prodigal son when he was in the pigsty, and he remembered his father. And all as a servant, they had it much better than him. And he remembered and he changed his life. Memories can be used of God in such a great way. That's why the Bible talks about teaching a child when he is young. Uh, They may deviate, but that memory is there. And God can use it to speak to their heart, to call them back. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane. And by the way, we are in the book of Jonah. Chapter 2, verse 5 today is where we'll start. As we look at the book of Jonah, we still see a prophet. Uh, We would call him a reluctant prophet, a runaway prophet, so many things. But uh, at this point in time, when he's going down into the sea in the belly of the well, he kind of gets things right, at least for a while, doesn't he, Alex? Well, he really does. He really does. And Bert, it's good to be with you, and it's good to have everybody listening as we continue our study of the book of Jonah, the prophet Jonah. Uh, Verse 5 is interesting. And like you said, you know, uh, he will arise, like the prodigal said, I will arise and go to my father. Uh, Jonah woke up and said, I'm going to look again toward your holy temple. But verse 5 says, the waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Now, you know, he's in the belly of the fish, and no doubt a whale, because, you know, what I was reading about this, that it's been documented that a whale could swallow a 400-pound squid. So we know that a, that a human body, let's say Jonah was, you know, 5'10", or even 6 feet tall, then he definitely could fit. But in that stomach chamber, there would be seawater, because whales swallow a lot of ocean water, and they get the plankton that they eat. So the waters surrounded me, even in my soul, the deep closed around me. I mean, that's two things, the depth of the ocean and also the belly of the fish. The weeds were wrapped around my head. Now, some have said, well, maybe this is seaweed that the uh, whale had ingested. But Bert, being deep, uh, buried underneath the weeds, above that that sounds like burial doesn't it it really does and can't help but think about christ when you said that when he said that this is what he would be like the prophet jonah in this way again this is a physical description uh a lot of this has to do with him being cast into the sea uh the latter part has a lot to do with his emotions his soul but here this physical description as you said alex shows his situation And a lot of times our physical situation is, I would say, a picture of what's going on on the inside as well. And Mm -hmm. so he is encompassed around him. He's closed in. He's wrapped. Do you see those words? Isn't that amazing? Encompassed, closed, wrapped. 
Uh, it, it's just yes. he's getting him where he needs to be, and that's true with all of us. Sometimes the Lord has to push us in. He has to close us in to get us to understand what's going on. And you remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 about being pressed on every side? When I thought of that and I saw verse 5, I said, man, he's being pressed on every side, isn't he? Amen. Well, he is. And, you know, Elmer Towns, great scholar, I've heard Dr. Towns say that God can't really use a man until he has broken him, right. at least in some way. And so whether it's uh, the death of, of a dream or your agenda, and then you begin to get a vision for what God's call on your life is, uh, God has to take a man down before he can lift him up sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly the case with Jonah. He says in verse 6, I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the moorings are like the foundation. So there's uh, mountains. Well, we're going down underneath the mountains to the, the, the bedrock of the earth. We are. Uh, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Verse 6. You know, I've, we just sang, low in the grave he lay on Easter, and it says, he tore the bars away, Jesus my Lord, the bars of death. Well, right now, Jonah says, he's behind the bars. You've brought my life up from the pit Oh, Lord, my God, aren't you glad that even within verse 5 and 6, where he's talking about the the low depths to which he's been brought, there is hope. Lord, you've brought my life up from the pit. And then 7 and 8 get even more hopeful than that. Alex, just let me interrupt on the word of up. Just let me get this in. We don't go back. That word, notice the contrast, down and up. What happens? When we go down, his his mind, you know, he, he thought of the house of the Lord. He thought of the Lord. His mind went up, you know, and, and you were so right in saying that. But you just contrast those two words. The, you know, this is where Jonah yes, is. That's true. And uh, so up my life from yes. what, where? The pit. Uh Alex, the lowest of the low. The low. You remember what it says? He's brought us out of the horrible pit. And and so God specializes. Let me. I, I thought of this, and this is the reason I wanted to get it in, and I know I interrupted you. He, God is no, in the pit good. deliverance business. You got that? Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. He says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. You know, Bert, there might be somebody listening today, and their soul is just about crushed or fainted. Remember the Lord. Mm. He's as close by as a prayer. You you throw that prayer up toward God, it will reach His holy temple. You know, it's not the eloquence of the words, but I've got to believe when the broken heart says, Lord, help me, God hears that, doesn't He, Bert? He does. And Alex, so verse 7 is powerful. I I, I, it's so powerful, I underlined and highlighted, so it, it got a double dose. But notice it, when, my soul. Notice how many times, then and when. Notice those mm-hmm. words when you're reading the Scriptures. If we're not careful, we'll look over those sight words of then and when. But it sets it up of what's before and what's after. And when this happened, this is what I did. I remembered the Lord. And so, uh, Alex... Why is Sunday school so important for children, for preschoolers, for children, for youth? Put the Word of God in their heart. Why is devotion at home so important, family devotion, for you to 
share some of those things. And I know it's hard. We raised three sons, and we were more active in some things, sports and other things, than we should have been. But we would do our best on the way, and we didn't do it as good as we should have. But you put those things in their memory bank. Guess what God can do? He can, he can recall oh, he'll, them. He'll bring it he? up. He will. And, and so you who are young parents and you're on your way home with your children there in the back seat, uh, listen, teach them the Word of God. Get them to memorize Scripture. And, and God will bless you for that, and they'll be blessed. And because we're always hearing this about, well, I raised my children right, and now they're away. If you've hidden God's, if they've hidden God's word in the heart, you've put God's word in the heart. God's word does not return void, but it goes forth to accomplish what He sends it forth to do. So I, I just that blessed me when oh, yeah. He said that. I remembered the Lord. Sow the seed of the word of God into the hearts of all those around you. You know, I've had men share testimonies about being far, far from God and wandering away for years and years. And, you know, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And I had a man tell me one time that he was just, he had run from God and uh, left his family, and he was drinking, and he all he could remember, he didn't know, even know where it was, but he had heard a verse sometime, God said, Call unto me, and I will answer. And that's a little fragment from out of Jeremiah 33, 3. And he, he just kind of whimpered out a prayer, Lord, help me, I'm calling out to you. And God began to change his life, just like Jonah here, from the belly of the well, near death. Now, the thing that I was going to say was, Bert, do you remember that wonderful invitational hymn, Softly and Tenderly Jesus is Calling, Calling, O Sinner, Come Home? You remember yes, that song? I do. Yes, I do. Come to Jesus uh, while the stakes are comparatively low. Don't wait till you're at the point of death. Don't wait till there is the wreckage of broken lives all around you. Come to Jesus before sin takes its costly toll. I mean, isn't that what we should do, Bert? Amen. Come unto me, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. God yeah. desires that kind of relationship. That yoke that he talked about was for two oxen, and they have to walk together. Remember that scripture in Amos, can two walk together unless they be unless agreed? They be agreed. Yeah. And, and that yoke is responsible for that and puts it together. Te Let me put it this way. Team up with God and walk with him. I love that Amen. scripture about Enoch. He walked with God. and it, Right. That's his, is that, that's some kind of testimony when you get right down to it. Well, I want to unpack eight a little bit. It is a testimony. He walked with God, and, and my friend, you can walk with God. You really can. The very same God that heard the prayers of Jonah, the very same God that was with Enoch and Abraham, the very same God that empowered Peter to preach on Pentecost, that's the same Lord and Savior who offers himself to you. But look at verse 8. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Okay, do you know there is a portion of God's mercy for you, my dear friend? If you turn to an idol, whether it's even self-confidence, you know, I, hey, I got this. Weak people need to turn to the Lord, but this thing called life, I can handle it. That's really making an idol of your own confidence in your abilities. Whatever the idol is, it could be false religion, could be just carnality, but verse 8, Bert, I find this so interesting. 
Those who turn to worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Now, let me say this, and I want your response. Friend, God has mercy for you. There is a big old bucket of blessing and salvation and restoration with your name on it. But if you keep turning away from God, you're forsaking the gift of mercy God has with your name on it. Bert, am I reading this right? You are right on, Alex. And it helps me remember Jeremiah, when he was talking about uh, Judah's false uh, idols, uh, in in verse chapter ten verse uh, verse seven the last part of this in Jeremiah he says there's none like you O God there's none like you but they're altogether dull-hearted and foolish a wooden idol is a worthless doctrine hear mm. that it's worthless and I could not help but look at that worthless idols uh, you remember if those pagan uh, sailors that were praying to their gods what happened when they prayed to them Alex. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. That's it. And and yet Jonah makes a prophecy. He says, throw me overboard and the, the, the storm will stop. And that was a true prophecy because it did. But 9 says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Okay. Sacrifice means something broken and really something allowed to die for God. Uh, praise, the voice of thanksgiving. Then commitment, I will pay what I vowed, salvation is of the Lord. Verse 9 is a key turning point in the heart of Jonah. It is, and notice the last line, salvation is the Lord. He has been delivered, and guess what? He's going to preach, and more are going to be delivered. You're listening to Exploring the Word, Alex and Bert here with you. We're going to get into chapter 3 when we come back in the book of Jonah. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Diane Farrell, Acting Deputy Undersecretary for International Trade. She oversees the daily operations of the International Trade Administration with offices in 100 cities around the world. Proverbs 11.1 reminds us of the importance of fair trade. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Diane Farrell in her work managing international trade. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. People who are growing never stop learning. Men who are growing in the Lord have some specific courses laid out for them. Dr. Tony Evans tells us about that heavenly curriculum as we spend two minutes with Tony. Men are told to study two things, the Bible and his wife. Why? Because both are difficult to interpret. Those are hard things to read. Every man in here will testify a woman is confusing, complex. You think she wants this, but she really wants that. You tried this, but that wasn't good enough. That's why the Bible says, know her. And you can't study something without giving it time. When she wants to talk, she's giving you the opportunity to know her. Because many times we as men are meeting needs that she doesn't have. Which means you got to give up some television programs. That's what it means. 
It means instead of watching the news from 10 to 10.30, get all the news before you get home because from 10 to 10.30, that's get to know you time. That's time where you say, honey, I want to listen, you talk. Tell me anything about yourself that I need to know because when I learn it, I'm going to use it to love you better. Teach me. That's what it means. Because women love to be understood. And many a woman has said, my husband doesn't understand me. He doesn't understand me. And she's probably right. But that takes time. And you've got to be willing to listen. Learn more about how a godly man can change his wife, his family, his church, even his world. Request a copy of Dr. Evans' best-selling book, Kingdom Man, for yourself, your brother, uncle, husband, father, a teenage son, or your church study group. Visit us at TonyEvans.org and click on the link that says Making Kingdom Men. That's TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time as we spend two minutes with Tony. God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. 1 Peter 4.10 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. Salvation is of the Lord. That's what is in Jonah 2, verse 9. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. And I think we're going to have to smile as we realize uh, Jonah says, you know, I better get me up some sermon notes. Uh, welcome back to the program. <laughs> From uh, the beach to the preach. I mean, Amen. the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, uh, here's the thing. Jonah is repentant. Jonah is crying out to God at the end of verse 9 where he says, salvation is of the Lord. Really, in a way, he's saying, uh, Lord, you are my only hope. Uh, Peter, when he was walking on the water and he saw that the storm was boisterous, he began to sink. He said, Lord, save me. Three words. You can pray that right now. You don't have to uh, give God a, a filibuster or some long treatise. God knows your heart. You could just say, Lord, save me. But he says, salvation is of the Lord. And do you know what? Just like Second Chronicles 7, 14, if we confess our sins, turn from our wicked ways, God will hear from heaven, will forgive our sin, will heal our land. See, God is a God of great mercy. God is a God who keeps his promise. If you turn from sin to Jesus Christ, God will forgive you. God will save you. God will change your life. Verse 10, so, and that, that, that's a transition word. Because of Jonah's heart change and his faith, God, God responded. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land, onto the beach. Bert, uh, you could have a, a, an evangelistic crusade out of Jonah chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You really could, and you can't help but notice in verse 9, sacrifice, thanksgiving. We think of those as completely contrary to one another. But notice how he ties them in. He says, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. 
when you come into relationship with him, Alex, and you realize who he is, who you are, and you come whatever, as you said, that sacrifice is broken, thrown down, it is with thanksgiving because, look, God's given you the privilege of knowing him, the privilege of, of serving him. And so, yes, it is with the voice of thanksgiving that we sacrifice. And over, what, what is it, the sacrifice of praise, uh, mm-hmm. even in difficult times? And you say, well, man, I haven't got anything to be thankful for. Right now, my life is just in the pit, just like it said it was. Listen, sacrifice of praise. You go to him and you say, Lord, I'm yours. Uh, I, I want to serve you and, and use me where I am and use me for your glory and that's what he does and he 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 shares that the salvation is of the lord so the lord spoke to the fish if he prepared the fish that means he used him he got him where he Mm -hmm. got jonah and he spoke to the fish where he was to deliver jonah and he spoke to the fish i could not help but think about a rooster a donkey God, God's amazing how he can use animals a lot of times better than he does human beings there, Alex. Well, amen. <laughs> a- a- amen. You know, and uh, Balaam's donkey. Yeah. Um, we, we've often read about Revelation 3.16. Um, the Laodicean church was lukewarm, and God said, I'll spew you, spew you out of my mouth. And, you know, many preachers have made much about how, you know, lukewarm, tepid water, not hot or cold, is just sickening. Well, many a preacher, this is not original with me, they said a backslidden preacher is nauseating even to a fish. <laughs> and the, the fish vomited Jonah out on dry land. And, may, you know, let me just say this. Um, for our delicate 21st century ears, the word vomit, what a, what a harsh word. But it says that the fish vomited Jonah out. Hey, it's bad enough to be in the belly of a fish and then even getting extracted and thrown up onto the beach. It had to be unpleasant. And I've got to believe Jonah, you know, he he has one or two more stumbles we'll have to talk about. But I know deep in the back of his mind, he thinks, I don't I don't want to go through that again. Um, (laughs) Doug Oldham, the gospel singer, had a song. I don't live there anymore. And yeah. it was a song about how things used to be. Friend, if God has delivered you from your own bad choices, don't ever go back there. Yeah, don't return. The dog's returned to its vomit, and the yes. pig has returned to its sty, uh, his wallow. Don't go back. You know, you were not made for that. Did you ever remember that, uh, the, the eagle that uh, his, some way, the egg got into the nest of the turkey and mm. that eagle hatched and it was uh, but it had it was around turkey so it didn't know anything else to go around you know walking like turkeys sounding like turkeys but it never looked like a turkey because it was it and then it looked up and he saw this eagle soaring and he did not know he was made for that because of mm. his surroundings in which he had gotten used to now i know this is you know just a story but Alex, that is so true. We were made to soar. We were yeah. made to go with God. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but we weren't made just to be turkeys, you know? Uh, and and yeah. so here's Jonah, as you said, he was created for something better than being vomited up by a whale. But when you live like it, 
guess what you're going to do? You're going to be there. So uh, I, I just is found it, this interesting. Yes. Is it part of the Christian experience to daily live in accord with our true identity? Amen. You, you know, um, depressed, discouraged, angry, bitter, cursing, inebriated, immoral, it, that's not your identity. That's not who you are. If you're a born-again child of God, you're an eagle, soar. But I, I love God is so merciful. Okay, in the end of chapter 2, we see deliverance from the chastisement. Now we see the, the, the reset of the assignment. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. All right, the same assignment. You know, we could have avoided chapter two. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we yeah. could have. Chapter one ended, uh, now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Chapter two ended, the Lord spoke, and the fish put Jonah back out onto the beach. All of that pain and, you know, near death could have been avoided. But God says, okay, now we're ready for this assignment. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to Nineveh. And I've got to believe, like I said, after all of this ordeal, Jonah says, you know what? I'm feeling like writing a sermon. Uh, um, <laughs> it, it, was this, a, it sounded short but effective, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah, you know, I'm thinking going to preach at Nineveh, that, that's pretty appealing. I'm ready. <laughs> it is. One more thing real quick before we get out of the end of chapter 2 and then the first of chapter 3. The Lord spoke to the fish, and then the Lord spoke to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to him. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times uh, we've got to be spoken to, but he's got to speak through something else before we hear. And so he spoke to the fish, and then the word, he spoke to Jonah. And I love that, the second time. You know, you've heard of the second chance, the second opportunity. I, I praise God he's given more than two times before in my life, Alex. But that second time, I, I would, I've got it highlighted and underlined again. Amen. And, and I'm right the word grace there. You know, and God could have chosen, Jonah, I don't need you. I'm just going to let you stay down there in the bottom of the, uh, uh, you know, the ocean. Or let you stay you, you in the belly the of the fish. Yeah, you missed the train. I got somebody else over here I'm sending in of a, But no, in God's mercy, a second time he spoke to him, Alex. I honestly believe this, Bert, with all my heart, Bert and Devin, um, it's never too late. If you'll turn to Christ, I've had people tell me, Bert, I've had men, um, you know, well beyond, say, 65, 70, they'll say, you know, years ago, I thought God wanted me to be a Bible teacher or God had something for me, but it's too late for me. No, if you will turn to the Lord, now, might have been some years, some prime years that you weren't walking with Christ, turn to the Lord, it's not too late. But I've got to say this, at the end of verse 2 in chapter 3, Go to Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Bert, what kind of messages are preachers of the mm. Bible supposed to be preaching? Oh, man, what God tells them. What is God saying? I, I think I know I've shared this before. I had a, a guy I loved in the desk. First name was Don. He's gone to be of the Lord. Uh, he God delivered him from alcohol, and he became a prayer warrior, a good-spirited man. He would come by each week, and he'd pray, and he'd say, Lord, be with Bert Harper, your delivery boy. And I, I want to oh, tell you, man. that's the highest calling you have when that deliverance is coming from God and the message is from God. And you mm -hmm. who are Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, pastors, 
chaplains. Remember, we're nothing but delivery boys. We're to deliver the Word of God, and uh, we have no better message. We have no higher calling. Alex, uh, I love that, you know? I tell oh, you. I know. And, and let me just say this. I think one of the most holy, high, wonderful callings is to be a Sunday school teacher. You bet. Uh, and you know, you might call it small group, you might call it, you know, a study group, or you might call it Sunday school or a connection group. But, you know, one of those things that you get people under the sound of the Word of God, because many studies have shown that, you know, as much as we love the 11 a.m. worship or whatever your yeah. main worship service is, Sunday school is the portal by which many, many, many people get into church. And Sunday school is definitely the means by which many people begin to learn the Bible. And so um, if you, you know, are called upon to teach Sunday school or if you're doing that, please know what a vital thing it is. But I want to say this. Part of the reason I say this is I was just interviewed earlier on Fox News about, um, and I'm not going to digress, but but about uh, a certain national minister um, distorting the message of the gospel. Look, we, we've got to say this. God's assignment to the pastors, the preachers, the evangelists, and I can promise you, Bert and I take this very seriously too. God says, preach the message that I tell you. And I want to say, Bert, the whole counsel of God, you and I know, you and I talk about it, you and I pray about it. Um, there's one Savior. His name is Jesus. Uh, the yeah. gospel includes that we must r repent and turn away from sin. And I, I think... Uh, there's going to be a big change in our country if preachers would preach God's message, not some other message. Am I right? You are right on. I, I'm going to sound this to sound harsh, but it's true. Turn or burn. Uh, there's quite a few pe preachers back. I, they call it uh, hellfire and brimstone preachers, you know. And, uh, you know, we've grown a little bit. They want us to have conversational. There's nothing wrong. I agree with it. It's not the way you deliver it. It's what you deliver are you mm -hmm. delivering the word of God? You can be. I'm. I'm kind of animated, and I. That's just who I am. It's hard for me to sit behind. It's awesome. A microphone just to stay still. I'm. You know. I'm. I kind of move. And but there's those that stay. It's not the message or the method of the deliverance. It's what you're delivering. Are you delivering the word of God? And Alex, he's given us the word of God. And here, let me read it to you. Uh, read this again, verse two. Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Not the one you want, not the one that you thought, but the one that I tell you. So what did Jonah do? Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was a great and exceeding great city, a great three-day journey across it in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Now here's the message, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now again, yes. there's probably some more to that, but listen, forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He wow. kind of made it pretty plain and simple, didn't he, Alex? He really did. And you know when it says Nineveh, that great city, I know, Bert, you probably read in some of the commentaries too, that uh, the walls around the city were eight miles around. And they said in the city proper was probably 175,000 people, right. but then in the 30-mile you know, perimeter, so think of maybe the, the city and the county, but yeah, I mean, a three-day's journey. To, to walk across this would have been 
like three days, and Jonah's preaching every step of his journey. And, you know, we might we might think, well, you know, to, to do street evangelism or to witness, people might think I'm, you know, strange or a fanatic or something. Listen, when you're a witness for Christ and you're sharing the gospel with lost people, don't worry what people think. Don't worry if they think you're a, a religious nut or something like that. But Jonah is going into the city uh, throughout the, the surrounding areas. He says, 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's a message of sin and repentance. And because of the Holy Spirit, the people are going to respond. I agree, Alex. And we let's, let's stop there and we'll take up verse 5. Okay, he's been in the belly of the fish for sure, okay? And listen, I believe that his appearance has been changed. All the acid, all the things there, uh, it doesn't say, but I got a feeling they listened part of what he was saying, but also because of how he looked. Now, that's mine. All that acid that's in the, the digestive system, you know, it's going to do yeah. something. Now, again, God kept him alive, but I believe the marks of this journey was still on him. Now, that's I, I do believe and that. I, I, you know, I've often wondered if he smelled funny. Yeah. You know, he did Jesus, it first, I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah. Jesus told the disciples, I'll make you fishers of men. Well, here's a man from out of a fish. Uh, but he goes in there, and maybe, maybe he was changed to a funny color. The pigment of his skin looked different. But the people of Nineveh believed God, verse 5. Amen. And we'll pick that up. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. Here's the number, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Call in, and we'd love to talk with you with your question on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Don't go away. We're back with your questions right after this. Hey, Siri. Go ahead. Show me some Christian music streaming apps. Okay. Here's what I found under Christian music streaming apps. Hmm, the AFR app? Isn't that talk shows only? It was, until recently. Now the new music streaming option plays music 24-7. Oh, wow. God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net. I love this country. Well, can I tell you something? I love the Lord more than I love this country, and I love the body of Christ more than I love this country. So it is because I love you, frankly, I have to tell the truth. There are many that are more concerned with the consequences in our nation than we are about the call. The Hamilton Quarter, weekday afternoons at 5 Central on American Family Radio. And who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Esther, a young girl, became queen of the Persian Empire when Israel was subject to Persian rule. A wicked man named Haman tried to get the king to exterminate all Jews. Esther, a Jew herself, was queen when this genocidal conspiracy was brought to bear. But her cousin Mordecai put her royal position in perspective. Perhaps God made you queen for this very moment, to intervene on behalf of the Jewish people. Like Esther, Perhaps God gave you the platform, position, and influence you have for this very moment to stand against darkness. Perhaps you were born for such a time as this. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts to one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bird and Alex. And that song is why we are talking about Jonah telling them what God had said. The Word of God speaks. It is clear. It is precise. Share the Word. Well, listen, we're going to take phone calls, and we have a few lines open. We've got callers on, but we've got some lines open. We're going to get to as many as we can. 888-589-8840 is the number. Give us a call. But, Alex, real quickly, I know you've got some things coming up. Tell us about one or two of them, brother. Well, thank you very much. Next Tuesday, I'm going to be in Mansfield, Ohio with Child Evangelism Fellowship. And if you Google uh, Mansfield, Ohio, CEF, or Child Evangelism Fellowship, you'll find it. Love to meet some of you when I'm there next Tuesday night. But June 25 through 27, The Cove. I'm going to be at the Billy Graham Training Center. We'll be doing the Book of Acts and uh, Randall Murphy will be there from the AFA Journal. It's just going to be a wonderful time. We'll pray for America. But if you go to my website, alexmcfarland.com, you can see all the speaking engagements and apologetics opportunities we've got going on from now throughout the year, and we're adding new things just about every week. Amen. Well, we appreciate that. And let me just share with you, if you can, and have Alex in your church or your association, organization like that, a group of churches going together, you will be blessed, and so I just want to encourage that. So, Alex, you ready to take the phone calls? Where are we going to first? How about we go to North Carolina and talk to Gary. Gary, are you there? Thanks for holding. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, welcome. Uh, good, good to have you. Uh, thank you. I enjoy talking about the gospel and the Lord as much as anything you, you can have uh, do. It's just something that pleases me. But my questions are, i got two of them. All right, God was already in heaven, and he already had all his angels, and he didn't have any lack of uh, fellowship or anything. Why did God make the universe or earth, and when did God throw Satan to earth? 
Okay. Well, Great. Go ahead, Alex. You started. Well, Ephesians 2.7 says that in the ages to come, God would show forth the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us through Jesus Christ. Uh, why did God create the earth and the universe? Um, I think to display His glory, to manifest His mercy and love. And He made the human race so that we could have a relationship with Him. And, you know, it's an interesting thing. God gave us will, the ability to make choices, and God offers Himself, but God doesn't force Himself. God uh, did not make robots or puppets. We legitimately can have a relationship with God. And I I think for, as one preacher said, for our good and His glory— I agree with you. I, when you asked that, Gary, I wrote down the word redemption. You know, a third of the angels were excluded, but there's no redemption for them. Part of God's character is redeeming. And, 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 there's, and the earth is even going to be, quote, redeemed. And, and, and so man's redemption, and it does demonstrate his mercy. Now, as far as Satan being thrown out, we find Ezekiel and Isaiah having some things to say of that. Alex, there's different, if you read about this, you find different people disagreeing on exactly when Satan was thrown out of heaven. And uh, I, I, I'm just telling you, Gary, I honestly got some opinion, but I'm not sure my opinion's worth repeating. Alex, you have one? Well, Luke 10, 18 Uh, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Um, Presumably it was sometime prior, before the creation of Adam and Eve, you know. And look, the devil could not kill off God, so he's tried to harm and dehumanize and debase those made in God's image. And so uh, sometime prior to the Garden of Eden, Satan, Lucifer and the angels were cast out. They became Satan and the demons and their in the air all around us, though we are victorious in Jesus. I want to go to Ed in Arkansas. Ed, thanks for holding. Welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Hi, fellas. I sure love your program. I don't miss it. Well, thank you, Ed. Amen. Thank you, brother. I think Jonah was more effective after going through that incident in the whale you know, like you said, the 30-mile wall, and people really took notice of a bleached fellow, you know, had a fish smell about him and a harpoon marks on him, maybe. I think he was more effective. Maybe God knew that, or if he'd just gone there by himself. And, uh, and another thing, I, I read a lot of Hebrew writings written by rabbis of the uh, Midrash, and they say that uh, when Hannah was in the temple that day crying, that there was... Uh, the uh, the prophet e- Eli that was his first day there, so he ran into Hannah the first day. Okay. Alex, wow. I want to share what I believe with Ed about him. You've known some men that's been in, especially Vietnam War. Quite two or three of those guys, they lost their legs. Uh, they they were marked up by phosphorus burns, and they became preachers of the gospel. Their marks of that became effective tools for God to use and in, in using them to share the gospel. I, yes, I think yes. I think what, even though it was in rebellion, the marks that was upon Jonah, as Ed said, whether it's smell, 
I know he had it for a while. I don't know how long it would last, but the marks would not go away. And I do think it made it more effective uh, than it would have been, you know, clean shaven, going in there dressed up. I think it had, God used his, uh, not only his message, I think he used his experience to speak to the Ninevites. And it becomes part of his testimony. And I the it. same for people today. Yeah. Uh, Ed, great observation. And thank you for your enthusiasm for the program. We really appreciate that. Going up to Illinois, Paul in Illinois, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys, it's really good to talk to you. Alex, I've actually met you. I went for a Truth for a New Generation down in uh, Carolina a couple of years ago. So anyway. Wow. Well, thank you, brother. You thank you so much. God bless. Hey, I was listening to uh, Dr. Youssef last night, and he was preaching from Jonah. <laughs> and uh, uh, he suggested that uh, Jonah, um, instead of saying, you know, guys, the cause of the storm is me, I'm, I'll tell you what, Lord, I'll just repent and go off to Nineveh. Maybe the sea would have been calmed then, but it seemed that he was choosing uh, death over going to Nineveh. What, what do you guys think about that? <laughs> Alex, uh, notice he said in chapter 3, he came to him the second time. Uh, I I wouldn't doubt, you know, he he made a quick choice. Now, I, I'm not sure after he jumped in, Paul, that he didn't regret his choice because he started praying. But choosing yeah. death over obedience to the Lord, uh, honestly, there's some truth in that, isn't there? There is. And, you know, Bert, I, you and I need to record a show because let me just say this. Um, I, I just read in, in my home state of North Carolina, there are 1,000 Baptist churches that have not had uh, any growth in like the last 10 years. And sometimes in the church, people, it's almost like they would rather die than change. Now, we know the gospel never changes. The message of the gospel doesn't change. But sometimes if, if what we're doing doesn't work anymore, we, we have to change in order to reach people. And, you know, I know it might seem like a stretch from Jonah and the Ninevites to churches today that are plateaued or declining. But look, folks, heaven forbid that the church in America fizzles away and dies out. And don't choose extinction over change. If we've got to get on our knees and pray and change and do things differently and adopt some new methods, whatever it takes to win the unsaved and disciple the believers, uh, don't choose death over change. You know, change is, is it good? Yes. Is it bad? Yes. It's according to what you change and from and changing to. And so the gospel never changes, but the deliverance of it, praise the God for radio, praise the Lord for internet, praise the Lord for podcast, you know? Uh, oh, if, yeah. if you hear something here and you say, man, I'm not sure I heard that exactly, you can go to AFR.net, and then you can go down to podcast and go to Exploring the Word and listen again to see if what you heard was exactly what was said, because sometimes you wonder. But Alex, I agree with you. Listen, uh, we don't change the message. We do not. But there's nothing wrong with using the PowerPoint. There's nothing you, wrong with... You, you're a guitar player. There's nothing wrong with, hey, mm -hmm. we got a guitar player up there rather than just a piano and organ. And, I, you know, yeah. so that's music. But also just let God be God and every man a liar. Follow God. Mm -hmm. He's the one. Thank you, man. How about we go to Ellis in Alabama? Ellis, are you there? Yes, 
Yes, thank you both for um, taking the call. I wanted to ask about um, a correlation or comparison between, is it Habakkuk uh, verse, uh, chapter 3 and Mark 11, where um, they're speaking about the olive tree and how uh, Jesus, well, not in Habakkuk, but the um, about the, I'm sorry, the fig tree and how they... Um, are different, or if there's any correlation between the the message of the fig tree in uh, Habakkuk and in Mark 11, and uh, and then if you would, if you could, if you would give a short uh, explanation of both verses, I was kind of confused on both of them. Okay, Alice, thank yeah. Alex. You, we've talked a good bit about the fig tree, and is that the one he's talking about cursing, or is that the different one? Um, no, that's the one. And, you know, um, Habakkuk or Habakkuk, uh, however you pronounce it, we've preached through that before. That's a wonderful book uh, because that's one of the Old Testament chapters that really talks about uh, we're justified by faith. In other words, we're made right in the sight of God through faith, not works. But verses 17 through 19 of chapter 3 says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Um, you know, even in a time of lack or a time of famine or even a time of chastisement, he says, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord, joyful in God my Savior, the, the Lord Almighty. The sovereign God is my strength, uh, makes my feet like the the deer, you know, hinds feet on high places. The um, the devotional book gets its name from uh, Habakkuk three nineteen. I, to be honest, I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily a correlation between when Jesus cursed the fig tree, uh, which represented Israel and had not borne fruit. I, I I know the wording might sound similar, but I see him j- saying. Hey, there's no fruit, no vegetables, no grapes, no livestock. Uh, it's a, a dire situation, yet I rejoice in God. I, I really, I'm not sure the Habakkuk 3 is any correlation between Jesus cursing the fig tree, Bert. I, when you look at Habakkuk chapter 3 and you read those words, though, that that is the word, though the fig tree may not bless. In other words, my relationship with my God is not based on him having to bless me, Alex, you know, uh, for yeah, him to give me. Now, he has already. He's given us salvation. It's based on that. It's not based on everything else. And so Hab- Habakkuk, as I call it, Habakkuk as some others, it mm-hmm. shows you God's mercy. And verse 18, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I'll joy in the God of my salvation. Sounds exactly like Jonah. In other words, though I'm in the belly of the whale, I'm going to look to the salvation of God. Sister, thank you for that good question. Let's go to Carla in Arkansas. Carla, I think we can get your question in. I'll be quick. I've been reading through Revelation with a group of my friends, and we we got on a question in, in uh, Revelation chapter 9 where you have those two types of demonic creatures. you got the locust ones and then those lion-headed horses with snake tails. And yeah. the locust ones weren't allowed to kill people, but the other ones killed a third of the Earth's population. So we were just trying to think back through Bible stories 
are there any other examples that you can think of where Satan or his demons are allowed to actually kill people? You know, I know weather kills people and people kill people, but can demons kill people now? Okay. Alex, I can. My mind's running through the scriptures. Satan and his power, he came to kill, steal, and destroy. In that word kill, is it humans? Well, yeah, John 10.10. 10. I, I believe, and now listen carefully, There there is what's called an efficient cause, and there's what's called a final cause. Now, a final cause is the actual thing that does the damage. Let's say a man picks up a stick and hits somebody. The man holding the stick as a weapon, that's the final cause of the, the victim's wounds. But the efficient cause, this is what Aristotle would say, the efficient cause are the conditions that bring that thing about. Now, here's my point. Right now, I believe Satan is permitted to, to harm and kill people in the sense of being an efficient cause. There's the drug trade, and people ultimately die. Maybe demons didn't physically kill somebody, but they sure set a lot of dominoes in, in motion. The liquor trade, the drug trade, domestic violence. So in the sense of an efficient cause, Satan contributes to the death of a lot of people. Now, I think during the tribulation that maybe Satan, or at least some of the demons, are given final cause ability that they are actually allowed to kill people. Bert, maybe yeah. that's more than the scripture says, but don't be here during the tribulation is my point. Uh, that's the truth. When I think of Hitler, no doubt demonic, demonic all the way, and what he did uh, with Satan behind it. The issue is Satan is behind it, whether he actually, quote, pulled the trigger, put the gas to, you know, lever down. It was satanic. The enemy, our enemy Satan, has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus has come to give us life, abundant life. Trust Christ. Don't go without him. Tune in tomorrow as we continue in the book of Jonah. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.